in this fifth and final session on 1 Thessalonians 2, 9-12, what a crescendo this paragraph reaches. It can't get any higher or greater or more wonderful than the way this paragraph ends. Let's read the whole thing. You remember, brothers, our toil and hardship, working night and day, so as not to burden any of you, we proclaim to you the gospel of God. And we're going to see the ultimate goal of that. You are witnesses, and God also, how holy and righteous and blameless we became toward you who believe, just as you know, like a father with his children, exhorting each one of you and encouraging you and testifying that you walk worthily of the God who calls you into his own kingdom and glory. Father, remind us now of the nature of the call. Show us what it is to live with you in your kingdom and how the goal of all things is the beauty of your fullest perfections. Pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So just by way of reminder from last time, a calling from God is not a take-it-or-leave-it invitation to his kingdom. It is a creation of the acceptance of the invitation. Romans 8.30, those whom he predestined, he called. That's who he called in this sense. And those whom he called, he justified. And those whom he justified arrive at the glory. There is no question that this call here is a mere invitation. It is a sovereign work of God that secures our yes to the promise of God. And what has he called us to now? And a little bit by way of review as well. He called us, and I'll end with these two. He called us. God is faithful by whom you were called into the fellowship of his Son. So as we move out of darkness into light, we have fellowship with his Son. 1 Peter 2, 9, you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people of his own possession, that he may, that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. When you're in fellowship with Jesus, you're walking in amazing, marvelous light. When, when God, by this sovereign call, opens the eyes of your heart, you see marvels in the gospel, marvels in the world, marvels in God. The whole world was foolishness, that is, righteousness and justice and peace and holiness and godliness were all folly before. And now, everywhere you look in relation to God, you see marvel and light. In that light, you experience freedom. You were called to freedom, brothers. Don't use your freedom as an opportunity for the flesh. So, we are free from the law. We have a whole new way of living. We are walking worthily of our calling, not trying to just bring our lives into conformity to some list of do's and don'ts by which we might merit God's favor. We are called to freedom. And in that freedom, we're called to holiness. 
God has not called us for impurity, but in holiness, or as it says in Romans 1-7, to all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, that is, holy ones. So our calling is to holiness. And now moving right into our final two words in this text, we are called to hope. Paul prays that the eyes of your hearts might be enlightened, that you may know what is the hope to which you have been called. Now, what is that hope? And the answer is the kingdom of God and the glory of God. What is the kingdom of God in Paul's understanding? Here's a good place to go look at it. 1 Corinthians 15. Then comes the end, Christ comes, when he, Christ, delivers the kingdom to God the Father after destroying every rule and every authority and power, for he must reign as king until he has put all his enemies under his feet. In other words, kingdom here in Paul's mind is the completion of this reign after it is it is finished in that it brings everything under God's or Christ's rule and he hands over the glorious complete kingdom to God the Father so the kingdom of God here is God's completed rule by which he has subdued everything there is no more enemy outstanding Satan has been thrown into the lake of fire. All unbelievers have been cast outside into the darkness. And inside now there is only the glorious rule of God. So kingdom refers to the rule of God and then comes the glory. 2 Peter 1.3, his divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of the one who called us to his glory and excellence. 1 Peter 5.10, after you have suffered a little while, the God of all grace who called you to his eternal glory in Christ will himself restore, confirm, strengthen, and establish you. You know, back in chapter 1, we saw the negative side of salvation. We wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. So when we think about the future, there's a way to think of we're being rescued from, from something. We will not taste any wrath. But if that's all the Bible said about our salvation, we would say, for what? From wrath for what? And so Paul won't leave that unanswered here. He has called us into his reign, called this rule, and for the enjoyment of his beauty. The glory of God is the radiance of the panorama of the fullness of his perfections. All that God is shining forth 
for the enjoyment of God's people. In other words, this good news here comes to climax ultimately right here. I wrote a whole book one time called God is the Gospel, and it was texts like this that brought that to my mind, because so often we think of the Gospel merely as He rescued us from wrath, He took away our sins, we escape from hell, we get new bodies, and none of that is the end and goal of the Gospel. This is the end and goal of the Gospel. He will subdue everything and hand over the kingdom to the Father, and then we will shine like the sun in the kingdom of our Father, according to Matthew 13.43. And so the glory of God reflected in our glory, the glory of God enjoyed with complete and full satisfaction. And let me end on this. You all know unbelievers who mock the gospel, who think it's a small thing and that they can really have self-rule in this life, choosing their own reality, making it up as they go along, and the glory that this world offers is all they need. And I just want to bear testimony on the authority of this text. It will never satisfy until we live for something vastly bigger than our own self-rule and something vastly bigger than our own self-glory or the glory of all that this world has to offer, we will be dissatisfied souls. Our souls will be restless, as Augustine said, until we find our rest right here in the ultimate for which we were created and redeemed, the everlasting and ever-increasing enjoyment of the glory of God.